Hey, two years ago, we set out on a journey and we listened and found that when most people just talk, when they have a conversation, especially about churches or when they talked about Christianity or they talked about faith, oftentimes the conversation centered about what Christians were against or like what the church was against, or the church won't let you do this, or Christians aren't, or Christians aren't allowed to, and it, it had such a negative tone. And so the more we listened, it seemed like, you know, it's not just Christians that are saying that, it seems like everyone is sharing things that they just were against. So we sort of paused. And, and just for a minute, we, we just kind of thought, wow, that's so interesting. So. Do you think the world has gotten better about that in the last two years, about being less opinionated about what they're against since then? <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's gotten worse. In fact, it's gotten much worse. So now, most of what we hear is what people are against, what social issues they're against, what politics they're against, a virus. Do you know anybody in, uh, in favor of the virus? I don't. But two years ago, we asked, what would it look like if a group of Christians became known because of what they are for rather than what they're against? We decided that we wanted to kind of invite everyone, even our neighbors, to know what we were for. We wanted them to know that we were for them. We wanted our community to know that we are for them. And so we started to talk about it in leadership circles, and we wanted to become an organization that if we didn't exist, that people would say, oh, what happened to Gathering Point? Well, they made such a difference in our community. They were essential. Now, who knew essential would become such a catchphrase over the last two years? So since then, what we've done is we've rolled up our sleeves, and, and you know this, we all got involved in our community, and we began to help out. And we gave. We helped out at the Youth for Christ, the Pregnancy Resource Center, uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, Fortitude, the Bible Witness Camp. So last year, we, we gave and helped out at Splash. We volunteered to help kids read through Kids Hope at local elementary schools. We gave for a house to be built for ha with Habitat for Humanity, among other places like volunteering at the Park District to help with family night outs. But just to not stop there, we gave gift cards, we've given notes of encouragement to first responders, we've hosted Night to Shines every year to those with special needs in our community. And essentially what we did is we decided we were going to be generous with our time and we were going to be generous with our dollars for the sake of others and we were going to ask nothing in return. And our hope, our prayer, our strategy was that we wouldn't tell our community that we were for them, instead we would show them by the way that we love them and the way that we loved one another. And in doing so, we wanted to send a very subtle message that we didn't want to be selfish and raise our own personal standard of living. Instead, we wanted to try something differently. We wanted to raise our personal standard for living. So we all got together and we asked the question, what does Kankakee County need most? I mean, does it need political progress most? Economic advancement? Does it need more education? And that was two years ago. And we came to the conclusion that we think the people of Kankakee County need Jesus. Because we believe Jesus makes life better, and really, he makes us better at life. And we believe that when people are in a growing relationship with Jesus, well, they're just more honest. 
they turn out to be better parents and better teachers and better workers. They're, they're more generous than other people. They're, they're better business leaders and they positively affect the people and the world around them. Which is why our mission is to really, to inspire people wherever they are to live like Jesus and, and to go wherever they go and live the way that Jesus does. And honestly, it's been great because this continues even in a pandemic. And I know, I, I watch the news just like you. Many people see youth as the problem and, and we want to see them as a solution. Which means we need to really double our efforts to, to focus on equipping them and mentoring them and coach them, lead them, parent them, grandparent them well. Because when, when we help the next generation win, we all win. Now, let me be clear. By winning, we don't mean providing them a better standard of living. No. We're asking the question, how, how, can, it's not, how can we make life easier for the generation that comes behind us? That's not the question we're asking at all. We want to know. We want to look forward and ask the question, how can we hand off the best kind of life for the next generation? So as a church, we decided to, to not invest in improving a generation's standard of living, but we do want to provide them a standard for living, which is to say, we want to give them a model for living. And we want to hand them the very best lens for them to look through and interpret the world around them. I mean, we need that now more than ever. And so for us here at Gathering Point Church, the lens that we are looking through to live our lives is Jesus, who is our model for living. And, and our model for living is the Jesus way. And we're a Jesus church, which means Jesus is our standard for living. And honestly, we've been diligently working on how we can do that better. So today, I want to share with you an ancient poem that was written by a man named Asaph over 3,000 years ago. And, and it's what his thoughts are in this poem that we're going to take our cues from, and we have been taking our cues from. This poem actually sits like right in the middle, center of the library that we call the Bible, and it's nestled into the ancient songbook that's best known as the Psalms. And this is what Asaph had to say. He said, I, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. We're going to look at the past. We're not going to ignore the past. We're going to look at stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We're not going to hide these truths, even if they're inconvenient, from our children. We're going to tell our children and we're going to tell them of the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And in turn, each will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. 3,000 years ago, this is what Asaph said in the Psalms. And he's reminding us, he's telling us, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. You have a responsibility to invest in the generation that's coming behind them. You have a role to play even when things are the way they are and they're so uncertain. Even when the news seems to change every day or sometimes three or four times a day, even when opinions and the future looks different every day, 
Because here's what we know. Standards for living, they're not passed on magically. Faith and faiths don't move from one generation to the next, kind of like via osmosis or, gosh, I hope it happens. Because it takes investment on our part. It takes time. It takes relationships. It takes conversation. It takes parents. It takes grandparents. It takes coaches and teachers and small group leaders and aunts and uncles. It takes everybody. And it takes a struggle. It takes a humility to say, I'm sorry, and I'm working to get better. It takes listening and challenging because it's not a passive moment. It's an activity that requires a lot of intentionality. Now, don't get me wrong. I love our high-tech world. I love our devices. But it's also taking away some of the things that used to be present to help people grow up and to help people mature more. And this is why we all need to remember that we all have a responsibility to be interpreters. We don't need to be able to tell, uh, we have to be able to tell our kids uh, how to discern the fake news. That's not our goal. We, we don't need to tell them this is fake news or real news. We need to help them identify the false narratives that are being told to them by the world around them. And false narratives are everywhere right now. So we've got to be more intentional and strategic to build adults ready who who understand that we're handing on a standard for living. Otherwise, all we're going to do is just argue about what news is fake and which news is real and what our opinions are and which politician is truthful and which one is lying. And honestly, that's such an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? And I've, I've fallen for it. I have. I've had to apologize. And so what I've learned is many adults can't identify a false narrative. Most of you will just read a post and you lose it. And guess what you're teaching your kids to do? The same. So how do we do this? Like, what practical steps can we take as the adults and the young adults? I think a lot of times when, when you hear conversations about leaving something for the next generation, it, it's usually about always in terms of improving their standard of living. Maybe you've heard, maybe you've even said phrases like, I want my kids to have all the opportunities that I never had. I don't want my kids to go through this right now. I don't want my kids to have to struggle the way that we had to struggle. And all of that is, is words and language that talks about standard of living. And that is not our goal here. Because as a church, we're not investing in improving a generation's standard of living. But listen, we do want to give them a standard for living. And we're not looking to ask the question, how can we make life easier for them? We're looking forward to ask the question, how can we show them the best life for them? Because the chapter in the history books that we're in right now with, with COVID, with racism and politics, that's not going to end with us. So we want to invest in providing a standard for living to the next generation. And if we simply want to give people a standard of living, then well, we're always going to feel like we're ahead or we're behind. And then we're going to always have conversations about this is fair or this is not fair or they got and they didn't. And this is all what a standard of living does by nature. It's just a subtle scorecard. But a standard for living, that changes the way we live well beyond our goals. So two years ago, we said, we don't have to change the world. You don't have to change the world, but we need to change something. And we said Kankakee County is our 
something. So over the next few weeks, we're going to hear some stories of those who have done just that over these past few years. They have worked to change the standard for living right here and right among us. Now, everyone learns how to do something from someone else. We all have a model we are building our lives off of. We've all been mentored and trained. And at Gathering Point, we call ourselves a Jesus Church because we believe there's no one better to learn how to do life from than him. And so one of the many places I have learned a standard for living, uh, I've many places throughout the years, but my first job I had was a youth pastor and I was given my first review. And I was given like questions to start my first review and I was asked to rate myself from like one to 10 on how I was doing then. And it was a standard for living and it would be what I would be held against for the next year in my review. I mean, I still have the form, I have it. It was not complicated. Eight things, so simple. The first thing that I was asked to help create a standard for living was, am I outgoing and overflowing and do I have a vibrant faith or, or am I kind of negative in the way? Am I, am I confronting people both verbally and non-verbally um, with the gospel? Two, creative. How creative am I to find culturally relevant mediums to, to, to share what Jesus can do in, in people's life? Do I have a balanced work ethic? Am I finding the right balance between fun and rest and office time and spending time with God? Am I flexible? Am I flexible realizing that not everything's going to go the way that I want it to go? <laughs> this was one of my favorites. Do I have a green apple attitude? I didn't even understand that. I had to ask the question, what's a green apple? It was explained to me that a green apple is a lifelong learner. Because apple and apple is green, uh, it, it turns red and then the next step is to fall off the tree because it's dying. Always have an attitude that's green, meaning you're always ready to learn. Am I going to be a lifesaver? Someone who's going after people who are far from God? Am I pro-Jesus, anti-sin? Am I able to bring accountability into my life? Am I loyal? Do I desire to be loyal to Jesus and my family and my partners in ministries through all times and trials? And I got to be honest with you, this list over the years, I've come back to it many times. Sometimes I've gotten tens, sometimes I've gotten nines, and on some of these I've gotten ones. That's humbling. It's embarrassing. But what this is, is it reminds us that it's not a standard of living that I'm trying to go, but it's a standard for living. And there's many ways and many things that you can find out there that will help you create a standard for living. And so I want to invite you over the next few weeks to join us as this is quickly becoming, this moment right here and right now, is quickly becoming an online campus, a, 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 you know, a church campus for Gathering Point. And we're just in those early stages and we're going to continue to build and strategically work towards that. And we're excited to share that with you. But this week, would you find yourself and begin to think about what does a standard for living look like? And how can you help identify what are, just not fake news, but what are the false narratives that are being shared in our world and around us that we're sometimes taking the bait on and commenting and, and sharing and posting and all those kinds of things? Would you just kind of pause, and I know I need to do a better job with this as well, and say, God, help me to identify those things. Help me to not erase the parts of my past that I'm, I'm not real proud about, but may that be a point where you can use those things to help me understand who you want me to be in the future. Can I pray with you today? 
Jesus, thanks for this time. Thanks for this moment. Thanks for this environment that is, that is becoming normative now. where We can gather together and we can begin to look at your truths and we can begin to look at the person of Jesus and we can begin to hold that up against our life and, and, and begin to realize, God, am I looking for a standard of living? Or rather, is my standard of living being challenged right now? Or am I going to have a standard for living, which is impervious to pandemics and, and the economy and politics? So God, would you help all of us to focus and come up with a strategic plan for what our standard for living will be so that we can make a difference, not just in the world, but literally our world right here in our community. We love you, God. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you in the events and activities and driveways and opportunities all throughout our community this week. We'll see you again next week.